Hello, this is your At The Fix team, and I'm doing this one. Films mean different things to different people. Jeff hates Marvel, everyone else sees merit in them. Ad Astra has split opinion, Phil and Elijah like it, Graham and Jeff, again, don't. So for this podcast, Jeff, Graham, Phil, Deck and I will pick two films each that were well-rated and liked on release that we feel are grossly overrated. We each have a maximum of five minutes to make our case for the prosecution and the rest can argue should they wish. A simple premise, probably. So it's my podcast, so I'll start. Spider-Man, Far From Home. What? Yes! Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Let's start. There's a bit at the beginning where the school TV is explaining the blip. I thought they could have had testimonies. I mean, like, you know, I was on a boat and then the blip and of course I'm drowning <laughs> and uh, you know I was in an aeroplane when it blip oh, maybe they wouldn't have a testimony for that I know it's a t- 12A but you could have at least had, had something in there about that uh, there's no effects really so I'm waiting for Endgame we all are not, Je- not Jeff and Spider-Man is already dead in Infinity War and then Marvel announced a new Spider-Man movie and <sighs> We all knew it was going to turn out all right, didn't we? But, you know, do we have to have it basically written on the page? By the way, they're all okay. Don't worry about it. It irritated me. So I started off badly. It suspends that inevitable, I suppose. And then we get this film, Spidey the New Iron Man. (laughs) There are so many no-one-sees-this moments where Spidey does something, but nobody's there to see it. Another one where Spidey does something and no one's there. It's like they threw it out thinking, well, everybody will see it. It will make a million, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, It's just lazy. (laughs) I like Jake Gyllenhaal, but Mysterio is crap. (laughs) Mysterio's kind of the way he's done is kind of the Mandarin, I'm going to take over the world and it'll be, you know, just Iron Man to fix everything because the rest of the Avengers are somewhere else, obviously. And this time it's Spider-Man and obviously he's got Iron Man's kit and an Iron Man suit, which is Iron and... No. Where are the other Avengers helping? It's so stupid. And of course a teenager can handle all Tony Stark's stuff of course he can i mean it's obvious the start glasses i mean he waits for ages to put them on of course teenager would put them on immediately wouldn't they yeah and then it gives them access to the entire start global security network including defense satellites what the hell you give that to a kid Tony what trusts him. Tony oh, trusts him yes, implicitly. Yes, yes. The first thing he does is like give it to son. the. He gives it like a son. Yeah, yeah. And all to major telecom networks. Well, you know, you give a kid that seriously. I mean, maybe a thirty-year-old Spider-Man would know what to do with it. <laughs> but yeah, right. Of course, he's going to use it properly. And it's do you? Are you trying to tell me that? The story of a young boy who was bitten by a radioactive spider (laughs) may have some inconsistencies. I don't mind the first one. Homecoming, I thought, was a really good film. No, that was shit as well. This is crap. (laughs) I sort of liked it when it first came out, and you sort of think, oh, yeah, Spidey, Spidey. The more you think about it, I know you shouldn't think about these films. I can't bring myself to watch it again. 
I can't bring myself to get the uh, DVD or anything like that. <laughs> I mean, is this the whole thing? It goes through it over and over again, same as the first film. Spidey says, oh, I'm too young to have this stuff. Fury or Mysterio say, yeah, you're fine, and then something happens and so, or something goes wrong, and to quote a certain pop song that's very popular last year, Duh. <laughs> Same on Homecoming. Uh, Stark replaces Stark is basically replaced by Fury. Uh, is that all these films are? They threw it out knowing it would make money, or of course Marvel can do anything. And I think this one I need to put my foot down and say no. No, no, no. Stupid. Lazy writing and everything. I mean, it's the first Marvel film after Stark dies, so what do they do? They make Spider-Man, <laughs> Spider-Man, Iron Man. Why can't they just leave him as uh, Spider-Man? Fury's on vacation. What the hell? The world's in danger and he can't be bothered. Why should we? Did you uh, like any of the? Did you like the twist or anything? Did you did you get it? Or oh not? sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's the same as the Mandarin. It's Iron Man three slash Homecoming, just rehashed. Well, so like, three out of five. Oh, uh, two at <laughs> two at most, maybe one and a half. I, I'm so tempted to dive right in and take the ball off. <laughs> but, but Phil, I I feel you have something to say. Yeah, go on, Phil. Well, I mean. To be honest, it was such a vitriolic takedown, but I don't want to <laughs> diminish it. I mean, I, well, once, I, 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 once I thought I, I got going, I thought I, I probably went too far, but uh, more do you think about trust it. Trust me, I'm going to go through Carry on then, Phil. I liked it. It's not the best Marvel film. To be honest, obviously, it's, I think partly due to the whole Sony, it's, you know, Spider-Man, Sony and all that sort of stuff. But do you know what? I, I think Jake Gyllenhaal was great in it. No matter how obvious it is, and, and to be honest, that's not a, a spoiler for anyone who's read any of the comics because Mysterio is a villain. So I loved the scene where he um, you know, finally comes out as a villain. I thought that was great stuff. I thought some of the set pieces were a bit dull, but generally speaking, it was fine. Of all the Marvel films and superhero films that I could defend, I, I won't stand on a hill for this one. I don't think it's quite as bad as all that. But it's the same thing. I mean, the, the, the baddie in Iron Man 3 tried to work with Tony Stark and got really irritated with him several years later, thinks he wants to take over the world, and it's exactly the same thing. It's just, I found it irritating. I'm open over you, Neil, throw that ball, because no, I'll fine. carry on with you. No, no, you um, carry, no you, yeah, you, you've yeah, got yeah. your own. The young cast has zero charisma. Anybody Tom, else? Anybody? Tom, Tom Holland, he just can't act his way out of a paper bag, to be quite honest, he never could. Marvel has lost its way over the last couple of years, and this is just the icing it's on it. It's a connection to Marvel. This I think, is just the icing on the shit sandwich. I think there's a point where we've just got to say no. You've got to do it properly. It's poor, really. And the twists are anything, but the CGI battles are annoying. Jake Gyllenhaal, who can be a good actor, is shockingly bad in this. He's, he's a good actor and he's brilliant. He is a good actor, I agree. What the okay. hell was he doing in this? Dick. Graham. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. This is mine. Graham, oh, sorry. Graham yeah. first. I, I, I thought it was poor, but the reason is that it didn't have any of Kevin Feige controlling it, saying, no, guys, you need to pull this I up. I think That's you find not he working. did. No, I don't think he did. I don't think. I think this is a Sony property, and Marvel had just got some, were getting some cash out of it. But I think the problem is if it's not inside and controlled 
and worked on by the complete Marvel team, things get a little bit lax. And I think this was just, I know it's a cliche, but it was a bit lazy writing. I think Tom Holland can act. I thought Jake Gyllenhaal was great. I enjoyed it. I thought his teenage angst and the girlfriend and all of that and his best buddy, the man in the chair. (laughs) I thought all of that was great fun. Some of the set pieces didn't work. I thought it was, yeah, the the writing needed a bit of a, a polish up. I thought it was fine. I thought some of the set pieces were a bit weak uh, and a bit confusing. There was a piece they did where Spider-Man was in a large warehouse in Germany. That was beautifully done, very well done, with lots of mirrors and things like that. They do that in every film he's in. But the battle at the end was uh, a bit poor. Yeah, and the bit with MJ is is priceless. That's sweet. That's really sweet. They've They've got that nailed. Finally, Deck. I thought it was okay. It's not It's not as good as Homecoming, as you say. I quite like the first half where it sort of takes him out of his comfort zone, takes him abroad um, where there's not skyscrapers and stuff. I didn't work out the twist at all. That totally got me. So it worked on me. Maybe I'm just a sucker. I thought Jake and Jenny Hall was, was good. It did feed in from Endgame. It, he was looking lost and he was looking for a figure and he had like a big brother instead of a father. And it, it sort of made sense. I think it was too soon. The thing about superhero movies I don't like is there's too many of them sandwiched together I used to like the old days where there was one a year or or, or at most two and you could have a build up to it and so I think with this it was too close too soon almost you hadn't got time to you know Endgame was quite a you know an event and you hadn't got time to take that to grieve and take that on board before then suddenly you're chucked into another one but I did like the first half I thought the the second half was silly and I thought the ending by Tower Bridge was ridiculous with all the flying little mm. robot things and it was just getting confusing and destroying un- another bridge and unbelievable and yeah and destroying <laughs> another bridge and everything and and water because we can do water now so let's just do water as well and it really fell down in the second half i quite enjoyed it i, I was sat there in the first half of the film i was enjoying myself towards the end i was looking at my watch a bit and thinking here we go it's just a big fight scene but yeah that's that's marvel films most of the time though. so i think we can all agree that was rubbish well, no, I think you need to take a counter. Hit or miss, Neil. Just go round everybody. Hit or miss. Okay. Hit or miss. 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 Jeff. From me? Um, hit-ish. It's a hit or a miss, Graham. <laughs> Have you ever seen... What was that show used to be on the radio? No, I haven't TV? seen that show on the radio. I'd <laughs> listen to it, but I've not seen it. <laughs> what was that old show with his... Jukebox Jury. Jukebox Jury. Jury. Hit or miss? Okay, I would probably go Miss. I'm oh. going to go hit. I, you're you're going to go hit? I'm going to go hit Phil. as well, just because oh it's, my word. it's still Two hits, three misses. Well, you miss. still lose. That's a miss. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's move on to, because I know this one might be contentious, Deck, what's your first one? My first one, mainly for disappointment reasons, more than it being a bad film. I thought it was an okay film, but mine is Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master from 2012. Yes, step well back. Let me defend myself before you all fire (laughs) fire into me. Um, I loved Magnolia. I love Boogie Nights. I love There Will Be Blood. So I was building up for a good film. The cast, you say no more, you know, the recent winner, um, Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman, may you rest in peace. You've got Amy Adams, you've got another winner, Laura Dern. Really good cast. So you've got a really good director who's had three amazing films coming into the 2010s. A great cast, interesting storyline. I thought I was going to be blown away. I really went into that film thinking, right, this is going to be like a classic. This is going to be one people talk about for years. 
and I, it fell flat, flat for me. It, it dragged. It, it performances, again, they weren't bad performances because of the people involved. So you know, I don't think they could ever be bad performances. But there was no spark. It didn't really... I didn't come out of it thinking, I must watch that again, or I didn't come out... I was even sort of embarrassed about saying to people that, you know, go and see it. You know, I watched it. I was like, yeah, I, yeah, it was all right. Yeah, it was okay. Um, I mean, I've seen a lot, lot worse. Don't, you know, it's still, I still think people should watch it. I still think it's an, a reasonable film, mainly for the, the story based on Scientologist guy, isn't it? Just, it just fell flat for me. That was all. Go on then, Phil. <laughs> um, okay, so where I would say this is what, what was just said there about how it's kind of a disappointment just because of what you loved before. I love Paul Thomas Anderson films, and actually, I kind of had that feeling a little bit the inherent vice, but not at all for The Master. I, I thought The Master was just phenomenal. It was kind of like a hypnotic film where I was just wrapped by Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix just on absolutely top form. I just thought it was fantastic. So I, I would definitely put The Master up there with all those other Paul Samson films you mentioned. But I kind of get where you're coming from and, and my disappointing Paul Samson film was probably Inherent Vice. So you think we all have the right to have one poor Paul Thomas Anderson film, do we? I don't. I don't think they're poor. <laughs> I, I think that. I think the fact no. like the, the you know, like you said, disappointing. About disappointment. Yeah. So, so I definitely think that everything he's done has been almost just sort of world class. And I understand that when you're that good, sometimes if something doesn't quite click, you know, then it's disappointing because people are expecting it to be as good as you know those other things I still would say Magnolia is like the best thing he's done yeah um, but then you know er- everything he's done is just stunning in its own different way reasonable deck yeah that's fair enough yeah, yeah. I know it's reasonable as like I say it was, it, it was still a, a good still a reasonably good film um, I just think I went into it with the, probably the wrong... I went into it too excited, too giddy, if you know what I mean. Jeff? I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on that. The no, only thing I, I can say... The only thing trouble, I, I'll yeah. say on this is... I, I did hear when he got the funding for this film, he didn't have a completed script. From everything I've read, that does show. No, I haven't seen it, so I can't comment one, one way or the other. I'm actually neutral on this one. And me too. I haven't seen it either. I've got a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson's to pick pick up on. This one's a sad one. I, I haven't seen it either. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, no. So it's a two hundred then. I'm okay. sorry, Phil and Deck. I yeah, I should see it. I should see it. We, I think we all should see it. But yeah. yeah, Paul Thomas Anderson. Every film that he's done is just phenomenally good. I would absolutely recommend The Master and try and watch it on a big screen as well. Because some of the visuals, certainly at the beginning and the end, when they're on the boat and the, and the beach are just stunning to look at. But it's possible yeah. if one of those films doesn't resonate, it doesn't mean all of them are going to be bad. And it doesn't mean that film isn't bad per se. It just doesn't really you know, work yeah. for you. I mean, I think it's going to hap- yeah. happen a lot when you're when you've got a, a director or a filmmaker that you, you, you really follow. Too you too high, don't yeah, you? Yeah, and you do. That you go into each film so excited mm. you know uh, i mean it, I, I was worried when i went into the tarantino's new one because i love his films and i was just thinking is this going to be the one that i 
really don't like and and I was proved wrong but you know, with Paul Thomas Anderson I just I think I just had a hat trick of films that I'd loved all in fairly quick succession I think there was a, I think those I think those three films were over sort of a four or five year period and then I went into the next decade and the first one he I think the first one he did was The Master and I just think I was just it just doesn't work just well no it worked it works, it works. too far it just wasn't as good as I was expecting yeah. cool Right, well, we're going to do it between you two. Hit or a miss, Deck. Miss for me, I'm afraid. Yeah, and I can't imagine you're going to say (laughs) anything other than hit. I think we call that one a draw. Okay, the next one, Graham. Well, I've picked Green Lantern. This should have been brilliant. I went in again, like everybody else, with very high hopes. Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively, Peter Skarsgård. And Mark Strong, what could possibly yeah, go wrong? Exactly. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing. Apart, apart from everything. It's it, DC, your bloody Marvel, your <laughs> empire. No, when a film is so bad, even its leading man takes the piss out of it for the following nine years, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> and I like Green Lantern in the comic. I think it's really good. In fact, I'm reading the latest Green Lantern where a person from the Lantern Corps is a woman. You have effectively a galaxy-wide police force Hmm. and they, they, they serve truth, justice and the galactic way or whatever it is. So I have great high hopes for it, but terrible story, terrible plotting. The pacing was shocking. The effects were just on the edge of awful. <laughs> I just found the effects annoying. Please don't animate the super suit was one of the lines in Deadpool. And he was so right with that. Don't animate it. It looked stupid. And it was it was just dreadful from beginning to end. And, and nobody was playing at the top of their game. All these brilliant actors, because of the poor direction, were just not doing a very good job and uh, it was just totally and absolutely soul destroying i think i was half an hour in and i was going oh please let it stop now (laughs) i don't want any more i just want to go out and you know i did uh, just terrible terrible and i did think many years afterwards i'll just have another look at it yeah i tried and i looked at it again on on a streaming service and it was worse Everything I'd thought about it had obviously festered over the intervening years and it was just shockingly bad. Dex wanting to say something, so I'll go to Phil. (laughs) (laughs) So this is interesting, actually, because I haven't seen it since it was on at the cinema because I had that kind of similar... Yeah, I didn't dislike it. I thought it was fine. But at the time, whilst I'm a DC Comics fan, I didn't actually... I have that much knowledge or interest in Green Lantern. And since then, I've really got into them to the point that I spent probably three, four months, if not longer, of last year reading my son at bedtime the entire Jeff Johns run. Of wow. Green Lantern. <laughs> um, and I mean, the, like, enti- the entire, entire run, run of what? Yeah. Sorry, Phil? Uh, so Jeff Johns is a, a comic writer um, and he wrote Green Lantern for an inordinate amount of time. And basically, I've, I've got all the trade paperbacks of Peter Tomasi's Green Lantern Corps and Jeff John's Green Lantern. And I read it from, I think it's Rebirth, all the way through to um, uh, Darkest Night. 
<clears throat> Brightest Day, Darkest Night, which is a very long run of comics. And my son and I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed every single moment of that. And I've actually been meaning since then to pick, you know, find the film and watch it with him. No, no, um, no, don't. Don't do it. Yeah. Well, you yeah, destroy his childhood. No, it's all right. Because I do remember, like, not necessarily loving it or hating it at the cinema, just finding it, yeah, it's okay. Like you said, I'm a big fan, actually, of, of everyone who's in it. Yeah, so I don't know. I think that it, at the time it was okay, but I didn't go into it with the expectation. And now I almost wonder whether I might find it horrendously disappointing. You for will. the reason we've no, just discussed. But, you know, you know, now I really do like Green Lantern. I, I know an awful lot about it. That's my two cents. Okay, Deck. Interesting. I remember quite enjoying this film. I surprisingly, I do. I never went into. I didn't go into it with high expectations at all. Mainly because, to me, and I'm sorry, I haven't read as much as you have, Phil. But to me, Green Lantern's always been like a, a B player, not one of the A players. I've always treated him in my in my comic book world. He's always been a lesser one, and I've always found his superpower a bit silly, if that's the right word. And I think the film made it even sillier. I'm not sure Green Lantern works on film compared to comic. I, I just think that his superpower, I don't know. It's just, I, I find some, it's some, same with some superheroes. I just find some of them just don't seem to work. It's like, I don't find Storm on the X-Men works that well. I just don't, again, it's another, I always feel it's a B player. It's not one of the main one characters. So I didn't go in with her. I went with my children and took them and quite enjoyed it. I mean, mine were quite young. It was, so it was safe for them to see. It wasn't scary or anything. And we came out and we quite liked it. We saw some fun things. There were some funny moments. I've never understood the, the panning it's got since. It's got an absolute panning, and I almost think I that's... I think that's Ryan Reynolds. Well, I almost yeah. think it's... And I, and I find the same with another film that's a similar title, The Green Hornet, that I went and saw. I quite enjoyed that as well. Oh, I like that. that. Yeah, that got that yeah. panned yeah. as well, and I'm like, oh, I don't see it. I didn't think it was horrendous. But then, you know, Greenland, I didn't go in thinking it would be amazing because I didn't like the character much anyway, and I thought it was going to be a bit silly, and it was a bit silly. So I came out of it thinking, nah, it's what I thought it would be sort of thing. Mm. Well, the Hulk got panned as well, so I think it's something about their gr- colour green. <laughs> so I went into the film, and honestly, I, I thought they were playing it deliberately camp, but it turns out they weren't. <laughs> um, I must admit, I just got lost the plot after a bit and just sort of thinking, why are we doing this? I mean, Ryan Reynolds can be very, very funny, and all the actors can be particularly good, but it just didn't work for me. Jeff... I thought it was fun. Oh, Clearly it's DC, because you lot are all sort of Marvel and you put it down. It has some, as we can see here, and you can't Hang see on. them, Phil. You say, you say we're all Marvel. My comic collection is all DC. So, you know, yeah, I'm not I'm, just a Marvel. I'm getting you there, Phil. It's slow, but I'm getting you there. <laughs> um, but there were some great collectibles. What you can't see, Phil, is we've actually, I've got some of the collectibles here, including oh, the okay. monster. It's awesome, mate. Awesome. Neil will take some pictures and we'll send them to you. Yeah, you know, it doesn't set the earth alight. It's not Thor, but you know, it's it's great fun. Reynolds makes an engaging hero. He's put it down just to, you know, sell Deadpool. But I think Mark Strong, Blake Lively is are really good in the film. It's passable summer entertainment. I've seen a lot worse, and usually by Marvel. Oh, that's damning with faint praise if I've ever... I've seen worse than this. Yeah, we've all seen worse than this, <laughs> but not much worse yeah. than this. Well, let's see Well, let's see what my rating's going to be when Neil does hit and miss in a minute then, shall we? Go on then. Hit or miss. A massive miss. <laughs> Deck. 
I'm going to have to say miss because... Yeah. Phil? Can I go... <laughs> you can, yes. <laughs> Jeff? Hit. <laughs> uh, it's a miss. Yeah. Jolly good. Let's go to Phil. What's your first one? Okay, my first one, as we're on the theme of comic books, I'm going to go for Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. Oh, um, and God. There's, there's, <laughs> there's, there's two reasons <laughs> for this. So, firstly, the film itself. So, the film itself is a bit of a massive mess. You have a great cast, and they're all kind of feel miscast or not quite doing the same thing. And then you have an ending that feels completely not anything remotely like what the first sort of two-thirds of the film had anything to do with. And there's a huge amount of talk about Josh Trank, kind of the studio lost faith, and they, you know, they kind of initially went with this idea that he wanted to do a science fiction film, but it just so happened to be kind of based in this comic book world. And then they just went, oh, but we need a big set piece at the end of special effects kind of thing. And there's a t- horrible moment in the film where I think it says like six months later or something, like midway through the film, and then they're kind of in this um, facility or something. Generally speaking, that as a whole is just poor and bad. But the other reason I've got it as like such a big disappointment is actually it, it kills Josh Trank's career. And after Chronicle, I thought he was like a director that would be really like one to keep an eye on. He like, you know, was capable of great things. And, you know, he was lined up to do a Star Wars film at one point until this bombed so badly. It's not just that the film initially looked like it was going to be this quite interesting science fiction thing and they lost all faith. It's the fact that it kind of buried this director who, I thought might actually be you know, a new, exciting voice of that generation. So that's kind of my two two reasons for that being a huge disappointment for me. Jeff, I haven't seen it. Oh. I can't comment on this one, I'm afraid. Let's do Deck. Uh, Phil, how do you rate it compared to the other two, just out of interest? So you've got the one 10 years before and the sequel afterwards? The other ones are Ian Griffith yeah, the, and... the one where they had a Chris Welsh Evans. guy starring in it. They, those and, worked. And then the Silver yeah, Surfer Chris one. Evans. Yeah. So I think that I would happily sit and watch those films with my children. I wouldn't watch those films on my own personally because I don't rate them. You know, they're kind of camp and aimed at the younger audience. But, you know, I think that for a Fantastic Four film, given what the comic is about a family. I think they work as a family sort of film. I like the idea of what this film should have been more than I like it. So was it trying to be more grown up, you think? I think it was trying to be more grown up and then the studio bottled it and said, oh, sugar, we can't actually have just this science fiction film. Because if you think of you know, the opening sort of 30 minutes or so of this film, it's all about scientists much more like it was a science fiction film but just oh by the way they get superpowers kind of thing almost like dark nighting fantastic form trying to bring it into the real world a little bit i thought jamie bell was an was a strange casting for ben Grimm. i thought that was a bit going for someone that wasn't as big do you know what i mean in the first place normally they you know like the previous film they go for someone that's quite big in the first place i thought that was unusual i think all of them feel a bit miscast do you think that was deliberate 
they were trying to get away from the previous film? No, I just, again, I think it's, it was about trying to be, so that one, they went for a much younger cast to try and sort of, so that they kind of, you know, these are young people making their way in the world kind of thing. But I think they were going for, like having Miles Teller as Mr. Fantastic, just straight from the off. Yeah, he, that guy's a serious actor who at that time wanted to be broody. It certainly can't be the Fantastic Four of the previous films, which was about family films and a bit of um, Camp Valley. Who played the burnt guy, the Human Torch? Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Graham. Yeah, I was very disappointed with this one, obviously. When I initially heard about it, I thought, oh, this is different. They're taking this in a different direction. This might be more grounded, more realistic, harder-edged. And then, yeah, after the first 30 minutes, I just thought, oh, no, they've lost the plot here. Um, I thought Doctor Doom was very weak. I thought Kate Mara was interesting, but again, it didn't feel like a family. It didn't feel light like the comics. And I still think that Mr. Fantastic's stretching ability just doesn't work on film. It's going to be really difficult to do that. They have to pay an awful lot of attention to that. You know, Weta Studios worked hard on Endgame and getting it all to look right. And I think they need to give this to Weta and give them about three years to to get that effect right. But the rest, it was just, there was no interplay between the characters. I just thought it felt, it felt a poor story, very badly directed. And I could not understand why it was so badly directed. As you said, Phil, this director has had a great pedigree coming into this film. But I just think, I think think his vision was destroyed by the studio and they just wanted a big set piece at the end they wanted dr doom to return and be a big uh, threat but he didn't feel like that and it just it just missed on every level shockingly bad i think i agree actually I, I, after the first maybe not 30 minutes maybe 45 minutes or something i thought it was going really well yeah i, I liked the characters they were at each other's throats yeah. they were young it was it was fresh it was different from the originals in the previous decade but then it just yeah disappeared and it's uh yeah. Down wherever yeah i think uh let's go to do you want to say anything else um phil no i just think i just hope that Josh Trank bounces back. I know that he's got another film in the works. I'm not sure when it's scheduled to come out, but I just think it's a massive shame that you know we've not seen anything from him since. Do you think maybe um, Simon Kinberg had something to do with it? Because, as you say, Josh, Josh had quite a good pedigree, but if you look at Kinberg's history, straight after Fantastic Four, he did X-Men Apocalypse. Oh, and God. and he did yeah. X-Men Dark Phoenix as well, and we all know about that. And he's got a writer and a producer on that film on Fantasy Four. So I wonder if, as you say, they started to get scared and they brought him in and he changed it maybe from what Josh originally wanted and that's pro- you know, and that shows in his later films that maybe maybe that was it. Maybe they were too scared of what he was proposing. They didn't like yeah. maybe it was too dark and they didn't like it. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty confident that Josh Trank has kind of had a rant that's since been deleted about the fact that it's not his film. It's not what he wanted it to be. I think he even posted a review of it on Letterboxd, like his Letterboxd account or something, which I think is public. I think he posted uh, a review yes. of his own film. I remember that. Yes, you're right, he did. Yes. 
Yeah, it, I mean, it's set up. It's a twelve A, so maybe he set it up as a fifteen, and then they they um, took out all the horrible bits. Okay, I think we'll probably predict this one, Phil. Uh, miss. Deck. Miss. Graham. Miss. And me, Miss. Okay, that was easy. Let's go to the most contentious, probably, Jeff. Jeff, he's going to do on the waterfront, Citizen Kane. <laughs> on, which one? <laughs> this is the last ten years, Graham, and and both of those films I actually like, <laughs> other than the Venetian blind sequence in on the waterfront. If you ever want to talk about that, we'll talk about. Oh, I, that Ooh, yeah, was a disaster. That, that, that. <laughs> um, so, Jeff, what's your first film? So, when Neil first mentioned this, and I give it some thought, and I thought. This is a bloody good idea. Did Neil think of this on his own? And, <laughs> no, actually, you thought of it. <laughs> and um, I thought, well, what's the most annoying trend I found in the last 10 years? And, and it is these intellectual horror films. Now, I've spoken at length on this on podcasts and why I hate them. And I've picked for my two, two examples. And we'll take the first one, and that'll be The Witch in 2015. Now, for those, and that'll be Graham and Neil who have never seen this film. The clue's in the title. Yeah. yeah. You've seen it, Deck, have you? Yeah. And I know you've seen it, Phil. No. You've not, you've not seen it? <laughs> I told you when you told me, when you told me uh, wow. a week or so ago. All right. Um, oh, sorry, I've mate. Yeah. I thought, yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. Oh, hang, hang on a second. So, I can take this from here. You chicken, what's wrong with you? You're not going to say... This is what I get yeah, all the time. Wuss. Wuss. Phil. Phil, this shows good taste on your part. So let me just... Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, let's just quickly recap the story for those that need to be brought up to speed. 1630s New England, uh, English settler William and his family, uh, sort of ostracised from the local church and forced into the wilderness. And there a witch steals one of the unbaptized children, kills him and boils him down to make a flying ointment. Now, the family are obviously distraught by this. And <laughs> Just a bit. <laughs> and the, the family fragments even further as it goes through. But one of the characters, played by Anna Taylor-Joy, sort of starts to become influenced by the witch and the witching ways. Now, this was written and directed by Robert Eggers. It was called the best horror film of recent times. There's no doubt in its intentions, the period detail, they even got the language right. The performances give a real air of authenticity. And if you're watching film in the 1630s, this probably would have been scary. <laughs> um, it has a great music score, but it just, doesn't work. You can't identify. I mean, you've got Anna Taylor-Joy, who is one of the great mm. screen queens, if you like, of this generation. Ralph Ennison, marvellous character actor, of course, played Finchie in The Office. Kate Dickey, who was in Game of Thrones. So, you know, they're really, really good cast. And you've got the odd repulsive image, but it just doesn't go anywhere. And when the talking goat that voices goat. Satan comes yeah. in, you're uh, thinking, yeah. do you know what? This is just bollocks now, isn't it, really? And <laughs> it just lost me completely. It's a film so bad, Neil and Graham could watch this and not be scared. Well, it's you've sold awful. it to me already. Well, yes, it's, absolutely. It, it, you think it's a terrible you know, film, but we should watch it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it's just shockingly bad really is deck 
Um, yeah, I, I was going to mention the goat. You stole my thunder. Then. <laughs> I thought he hasn't mentioned the goat yet. I'm going to mention the goat. Yeah, it's just it's boring. A lot of it was was the expectation before you went in. Um, I'd read some of the reviews before, as you say. You did go in thinking, oh, I'm going to be scared. You know, it's it's a historic setting. I quite like that. I've liked horror films set in that time period before. It's going to be unnerving. It's going to be all those things. And the cast, as you say, is brilliant. And to be fair, I think the acting is, is good. I think the acting in the film doesn't let it down. I just think it just drags. It's just boring. Uh, yeah, and it's almost laughable. It is almost laughable. It's not at all scary. No, it is laughable. Well, it is laughable, yeah. yeah. I agree with you on most of the horror films that we watch, Jeff, and this is a trend, and it is one where I'm, I don't really understand it because people say, oh, my God, it's the scariest thing I've ever seen, and it's not. It's absolutely not even remotely scary. I don't. I just don't get it. Yeah, Mark Kermode put it in his top ten of the year, and you're thinking, what on earth did you see in this that I'm not seeing? But it's not just him. It, loads of people. Yeah. Loads of people do. What else is in this intellectual horror? So I'm, I'm assuming what we're thinking, like the Babadook and Hereditary, uh, yeah. Hereditary, yeah. Midsummer, Mid- Get Out, Us. I haven't seen Get Out. Us is definitely another one on it. Midsummer's a really good example because Midsummer almost breaks it. For two-thirds, Midsummer's really good. And then in the last third, when it becomes sub-Wicker Man, it sort of falls apart and it's just not that scary when they're putting all those fake bodies into that thing they're burning at the end. Compared to this, Midsummer's a classic. You know, this is just shocking. I'm going to watch The Lighthouse at the cinema uh, this week and that's Robert Eggers, right? That's the same yes. guy, isn't it? Yes, that's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm hoping to okay. see it Thursday. I'm, I was going to mention to the lads, if you want yeah. to go, Thursday afternoon, I'm seeing my daughter for lunch, and then after that I thought we could uh, go see uh, The Lighthouse. The thing with The Lighthouse is it's a true story, uh, Welsh true story, actually. Uh, <laughs> so, you know. What? And you, this talking goat isn't a true story? How dare you? Sorry. <laughs> Do you know that one of the, the only things of interest is the goat, when they were filming it, butted um, Ralph Ennison so bad he ended up in hospital? I think horror is a bit like comedy in that it's a very personal thing. And I think this is why you get such mixed reviews with horror films. You get 10 out of 10s and you get 1 out of 10s. That's my only reason is these people can't be lying. They can't be coming out saying, I was scared when they weren't. They're not making it up. I just, it must just be a taste thing. Deck has picked up a really good point about, you know, you're saying about horror. Horror and comedy and combining them, they are base. They have to hit you in the gut for a comedy. If you look at something like the Pink Panther, right? The Pink Panther hits you in the gut. It's funny. You're crying. You're crying with laughter and Mm. it really hits you. Horror's the same. Horror hits you at a gut level. If it doesn't, there's something wrong. My classic example of this is Neil Marshall's The Descent. Now, I remember going to see The Descent in the cinema. Before you even get to the creatures that are underground, people are walking out of the cinema. The claustrophobic. The claustrophobic sequences in that film. And this is a film that hits you from the first scene onwards. It's It's like being in a fight with Muhammad Ali. You're getting punched constantly. And there comes a point you think, I can't take anymore. You know, I know I'm going to get beaten. I'll walk out now. And that's what happened with The Descent. That's where horror films work. You know what? When Jeff was describing the setup, I thought... Well, that sounds interesting. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's a shame they they screwed it up. Give it a try. Give it, it a try. Maybe no, prove me no, wrong. No, prove no, me that, no. that, that you Mark think... Kermode said it was terrifying. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, yeah. And yeah. Mark Kermode says uh, you know a lot of these films are terrifying, which aren't. It's got sort of elements of the Crucible in it, hasn't it? No, it, it likes to think it has. It just doesn't have it. All right, okay. And and I say this. Anna Taylor-Joy, Ralph Ineson well, are two of yeah. the greatest yeah. actors around at the moment. Yeah. And it doesn't work even with them in. They should have got a part in Green Lantern. <laughs> Loved Green Lantern. They'd yeah, be too. great. Okay, moving on. Both Hang of on. You, both, miss. both of you miss, are you? Miss. Miss, miss. Yeah, that's a miss. Graham, let's have your second one. One of the greatest books ever written, series of books ever written, is The Dark Tower by Stephen King. It is, without doubt, a masterpiece. An absolute masterpiece. I mean, I was talking to Jeff when I, when I heard it was coming out, I was saying to Jeff, oh, oh, this is going to be brilliant, this is going to be brilliant. And I was with him. Yeah, look who's in it. Idris Ilba is going to be Roland Deschain, the gunslinger. I thought, this just, it sounds great. No, that was your first warning sign. Yeah, it should have been. It should have been, but I was so stoked. And I went in to see this, and it had got bad press from reviews of it were terrible. And I went in, oh, it was worse than I could ever possibly imagine. And I can imagine bad. <laughs> but this was definitely the most... Awful thing I have ever witnessed. Un- Unholy mess. It's the wrong person's story. They saw it from the young lad Jake's perspective, and the book's not from Jake's perspective. It's from Roland's, Roland's perspective, and it was just all over the shop, and it was shockingly bad. Yeah, so I came out of that, and I had to go and have a lie down. <laughs> Because it was just so annoying. I thought, if I don't go home and lie down in a darkened room, I'm going to punch somebody, just any random person I meet in the street. I was so gross. I was worried I was with him. (laughs) Shockingly bad. In, In everything. Direction, casting was all wrong. There is a central point in the book uh, about race, and there is a character in the book who's a black woman, and she comes out with a stream of racist abuse against the white gunslinger, which is very, very important to the book and and, and lays down a, a clear direction in the book. All of that was ruined by the fact of having a black guy as the gunslinger. It was just strangely cast, completely strangely cast. I don't know what they were trying to do. If, if the books are rated, would they be 12A? No. No, right. no, no, no. So basically that was their first mistake, putting yeah. it as a 12A. Yeah. Cool. Deck. I've not seen this one. Cool, right. Phil. Yeah, I agree. It was terrible. Only two things I'd add to that is it felt like another film where you feel like the half of the film must be on the current room floor and they couldn't make their mind up what they wanted to do. And Matthew McConaughey looks like he's ill all the time in the film. Phoning it in from his bed. Yes, (laughs) for sick bed. (laughs) Sick bed. Yeah. It had the same effect on me. It made me ill. (laughs) Jeff. As you know, Neil, I'm Welsh. And being Welsh, you're only allowed emotion when Wales lose a rugby game. You're allowed a single tear down the side of your face. (laughs) This this brought out that same emotion. 
these filmmakers had forgotten the face of their fathers. Ah, oh, very nice reference, yeah. Graham was quite right. They've made it Jake's story, not Roland's story. And I felt, had they flipped the characters playing Roland, Idris Elba, uh, to the man in black, yes, to um, Matthew McConaughey, it might have worked better. Mm. The, the fact that it doesn't, it was made by people who clearly had no understanding of the source material. Uh, and in fact, nobody seems to have yet, because Amazon Prime, who were going to make The Walls of Color, book four, the best book in the series, have dropped the whole thing as well. So we're now stuck with nobody wanting to touch this property after this abortion of a film. And it's just absolutely shocking. I, I, I single tear. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can say. Well, I have seen so, it. That should be a new tagline for Chef. Yeah. 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 We can can sell t shirts. T shirts with a single tear on. Jeff is sad. Um, Well, I've seen it and it started really well. I've got no idea about the books. It started really well and then just sort of drifted into nothingness. I didn't really understand it. Couldn't understand why they were suddenly going at this place and this place and this place. But yeah, it was a load of rubbish. There is only one tiny piece of this film that's any good and that's him, the gunslinger, reloading his guns. (laughs) That was quite a good effect. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then the rest of the film fell to pieces. The yeah, and that's a fair point. Is because Elba's Idris Elba's a great actor, and I actually think had he been ten years younger, he'd have made a good James Bond. But this character is so reliant on race. There's a racism element throughout the book that's so factored in on the gunslinger being a Clint Eastwood type person that they could just completely misjudged it, and it's a real shame because Elba. It's great. And you're right, the reloading of his gun and all of those sequences were amazing. So somebody on the set knew something about the uh, the books. but no. certainly on the bloody director. No. Okay, so Miss, Miss, Miss. Surprise, miss, surprise. Miss, miss, <laughs> yes. miss. Can I Good. just add a last story to that? We interviewed Kirk Domain and it came out in an earlier episode. I was talking to Kirk about films being made in Cape Town. Dark Tower was made in part in Cape Town. And I was saying how rubbish it was. At which point Kirk said, my wife worked on that film. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on very swiftly. (laughs) Definite miss. (laughs) Cool. Right. Uh, Deck, let's go for you next. What's your next one? Um, Right. So this one, I don't know how many people have seen this. So in 2013, the prequel to The Wizard of Oz, Oz the Great and the Powerful, came out. Now, this was a film backed by Disney, so there was a lot of money went into it, directed by San Raimi, who'd you know, had a, a good hit with the, Spy- the three Spider-Man, the trilogy, and Drag Me to Hell as well, which was, which was very scary. Great film. Great, Great film. film. So it's got a good director. Uh, the cast wasn't bad. You've got James Franco um, and the three witches, played by Michelle Williams, Rachel Weisz, and Mila Kunis. Um, they're okay. And looking at the trailer and everything, visually it was stunning. Some of it was filmed in 3D, I think. Um, I didn't see the 3D version. but So you think, well, it looks stunning, uh, the cast looks okay, and it's backed by Disney, so what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so I went in there and one thing, basically, the story. Um, basically, the story was just flat. I mean, the visuals kept you interested. The visuals kept you going. It was colourful, it was bright. I mean, it was very you know, nice, nice. It looked nice. But the story was just 
just nothing really. By accident, he falls into the land of Oz, from what I remember, and meets the three witches. I remember very little about it, other than me coming out and thinking how disappointing that was, how absolutely disappointing that was. I suppose it's like, it's the equivalent of, uh, you know, going into a Pixar movie and and being disappointed. I mean, it doesn't happen that often, but it, it was like that. I went in thinking, this looks good. This looks like it could be the bee's knees, and it was not at all. It's a shame. Jeff? I love this. <laughs> how did I know that? <laughs> um, I did see it in 3D. I love Sam Raimi. I do like the way it was it was approached. They did have a problem because they couldn't use certain elements of the MGM film because they were out of copyright, so the ruby slippers are not mentioned. But the whole imagination, and I've read a number of L. Frank Boom's books, and I just thought the way they captured it, the way that the cowardly wizard is portrayed by James Franco in the film and the two witches, and you didn't know quite which way this was going to go... I did see when it first came out in the cinema. It's also one of these films that turns up every Christmas now on TV. It's become a Christmas movie. And I just think it's fun. It's light. It's one of Raimi's most family-friendly movies. I, to me, it, it's a great little film. I, I was surprised to see this on the list. There are some pieces of crap that we got on this list tonight. But this one, uh, to me, is not one of them. I would agree with Deck. I uh, I oh, actually have yeah, he would do, wouldn't he? <laughs> yeah, sorry. I mean, so uh, let's be positive. I thought visually it looks stunning in terms of the plot and the sort of the disappointment of. I felt like it didn't use the cast as well as it could have done. I really struggled with the fact that they made James Franco's character so unlikable, and actually. Yeah, you know, I really disliked him by the end because it was his fault that the Wicked Witch of the West became who she was. Like, he ruined that woman's life. And it was like, just because he was an, a git, basically. But um, but that's the character of the wizard in the books as well. That's what I, yeah, that's what I, I like I, about it. I kind of, I yeah, I kind of get that. I just, it, it's odd because, like you say, it's like a light and family-friendly, but it's about a man who's so faultless and horrible to this woman. Deck names the cast list, and that is a phenomenal cast list, mm, like Michelle definitely. Williams, Rachel Weisz, Mila Kunis, and I just think they're quite wasted. Like Michelle Williams felt especially wasted playing this kind of twee, the nice one, basically. Sam Raimi's an odd director, isn't he? Because he's, he's just as comfortable doing Evil Dead and Drag Me to Hell as he is doing The Quick and the Dead and, and Spider-Man. I just thought this was one of his lesser films. Haven't seen it. The last what film I saw from the Oz universe, sorry, Jeff, I know you hate that word, was Return to Oz, which... Um, 85. 85, which I sat down and watched with my kids when they were very small, and they cried with laughter, so... How did they get on with the wheelers? I mean, it's, The wheelers sorry, are the, scary. Yeah, yeah, because in the cinema, and back when I watched it, you had the sounds of the wheels going mm. on all around you. That's quite yeah, freaky. They all loved the moose head. He was the comedy. Chick who was Arthur Lowe. Yes. That's Essentially. Right. Yeah, but anyway, I digress. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, you right. digress. I, I digress. Uh, sorry, that was my, my digression there. Sorry, I led uh, him astray. Yeah, no, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm just a huge fan of the, the Oz books. So, yeah. Uh, no, I haven't seen it. Sorry, he's been. No, what deck? It's my film. <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm just got lost for a moment. Neil, isn't it? I just got lost for a moment. It's me. Well, 
I can't. I'm really, really sorry, and I'll apologise to everybody, of course. I agree with Jeff. We watched it together. We did. You kept telling me how good it was. (laughs) (laughs) He's brainwashed. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I quite enjoyed it. I I mean, it's, it's... yeah, I'm not a huge fan of um, James Franco. It just you know, it irritates me, but the three witches were so good. Um, I quite enjoyed it. I'm probably a three out of five, but, yeah, I'm afraid I enjoyed it. Um, so, Don't be afraid. Stand up for yourself, Neil. Oh, boy. Don't be bullied by him. Oh, it's not going to last long. I'm going to say miss in a minute. Um, Jeff. Hit. Miss. Phil. Miss. And I'm going to go hit. <laughs> to draw. <laughs> so Graham needs to watch this I'm now. I'm so embarrassed. Oh, right. How can you be embarrassed? You enjoyed the damn thing. Right, so that's uh, neutral. Uh, let's go, Jeff, you're, uh, Phil, your second one. Um, so my second one, um, again, I've picked another film, but I've got kind of two main sort of issues with. So it's probably going to be a bit more controversial than my last one, and that is The Jungle Book, the recent John Favreau live action Jungle Book, that is. So my first sort of reason is I actually just found it really boring and I didn't enjoy it. And in the main, that was because the child cannot act in that film. (laughs) He is awful and the film needs him to be good. You can't have a Jungle Book film (laughs) with live actors where the kid is like not very good because he's the main character and he was just so bad that I struggled every time he was like talking and and the other sort of part of it is that they had an amazing cast doing the voices and they kind of hinted occasionally that they were going to do a song and I think Scarlett Johansson's song gets relegated to the end credits and Chris Balkan is the only one who actually really gets to sing And it's kind of like, why did they do that? That's like really odd choice, in my opinion. And yeah, I mean, it looks absolutely amazing. But as a story and as a film in terms of, you know, the fact that you just got to put up with this annoying little kid and not get the songs that you know and love, I just thought it was disappointing. And the second facet of it is it did so well. So many people went to watch it. Disney now want to remake every film that they had a cartoon of as a live action film because obviously they're not necessarily live action. That's my kind of two reasons for it. I, I kind of almost feel that whilst I love Beauty and the Beast uh, live action remake quite a lot and Aladdin was fun, I, I don't think that any of the others have really been worth the effort. Yeah, that's it. Cool. Deck. What do you reckon? Uh, I agree with you about the lead actor. I think he he let it down a bit. I mean, you know, there's if you look back over the history, there have been some amazing child actors, and I think that it needed someone a bit more. I thought the rest of it, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought um, Bill Murray as as Boo was brilliant. I I thought he he was fantastic, and a lot of the other voice actors as well were really good. Some of the scenes were fantastic at the temple with the. Um, orangutans and stuff I thought I thought was brilliant I thought it was a very sweet nice film I watched it with my kids we all enjoyed it it's not a patch on the on the original but then most of the Disney remakes aren't a patch on the original 
mainly because you've seen the story before and you've got all your favourite songs and, you know, you, you, you know I, I agree with you, Beauty and the Beast is probably the one of the better ones, but even so, the, the original Beauty and the Beast is brilliant. I grew up watching Jungle Book when I was younger and therefore I've got a very fond memory of it. Um, it was, you know, I was at the right age and everything. So it's not a patch on that, but I thought, you know, my children hadn't, you know, I'd, I'd watched the cartoon with them, but they hadn't loved it as much as I had. They really liked this. They really enjoyed it. I would say it's one of the better Disney remakes out there. So I, 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 I would say you're wrong, Phil. I'd say it was, it was better than you're giving it credit for. Okay. Cool. Ch- Graham. <laughs> Graham, oh, you're well, upset. I'm, I'm going to... I'll cheer you up, Phil. I thought it was terrible. <laughs> you know, this is about films that disappointed, and this really disappointed. I loved, absolutely loved the original Jungle Book. I went to see it with my parents and my brother way back whenever it came out and it was just phenomenal absolutely phenomenal and we we absolutely loved it there were some great bits in it i thought i thought it had its moments the child actor they must have auditioned thousands of kids for this part so how on earth did they end up with this kid I mean, it's I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, Bill Murray, Ben Kingsley, Idris Elba. I love all of them. And they put in really good performances, voice performances. But when the central component of the story is not engaging, then the whole thing falls to bits. I did enjoy the uh, baboons at the, um, at the temple. I thought that, and actually that was quite scary. For kids, mm. I thought that was quite yeah, yeah. chilling. And, that's uh, because Christopher Walken gets to sing. That's yeah. why that's the best bit. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Walken added another dimension to the character of uh, King Louis. I thought, yeah, it, that was really good. But the rest just fell apart for me. And and again, I had the same thing with uh, the Lion King. I just so loved the originals. I, I when I saw this, uh, I came home to my wife and she said, what do you think? And I said, I'm too old for this. <laughs> I need to see these films with that sort of childlike wonder. Yeah. And that, that imprinted on my brain when I was a kid. And, and I don't think that will ever be removed. You're going to go lethal weapon on me there. I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> no, I doubt it. Jeff. Phil makes a couple of good points. The, the, <laughs> Here we go. The... <laughs> The boy is American winsome. That's that's quite true. And it has opened the portals to films that we really shouldn't be seeing, like Lady and the Tramp. However, this moves at a frantic pace. I think John Favu's direction is excellent. The rest of the cast are amazing. Bill Murray, we haven't called out yet. Baloo is amazing. Yeah, he is brilliant. Um, Chris Walken, you know... We, that's already been mentioned, but he's but he's great in that. I, I just think it's tremendous. It's open ending for a sequel that will probably never come. I just thought well worth a visit. Great film. Well, glad the sequel is not happening. Yeah, I I quite enjoyed the film, but it's a remake of my childhood favorite yeah. film. I mean, if we'd had DVDs back then, I probably would have worn them out. Yeah. I and mean, I've read the book. Uh, I'm, yes. I'm sorry, the Disney version of The Jungle Book, the animated one, isn't that good. What? It isn't the, it isn't the proper story, but it's bloody good. It's if you're okay. seven. Yeah. yeah. 
It's his kids' film. Yeah, my dad and told me about it. So I'm going to I'm going to have to um, give it a bit of a downer. I wonder I wonder if it makes a difference um, watching these films if you're watching them with your children or yes, not. Yes, I think so. Whether some yeah. of their yeah, enthusiasm rubs off. off. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I yeah. watched it with Neil, so in a sense, Dick, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that's true of the new liking. So I saw The Jungle Book with my wife at the cinema, but my kids were a bit too young. But I saw Aladdin and The New Lion King and The New Dumbo, all of my kids at the cinema. Their enthusiasm for Dumbo flying and for The Lion King didn't make me particularly enjoy those. But I think what it does make a difference of is I suspect that my children will like... You know, when when we talk about these films, you know, The Lion King, their Lion King is this year's Lion King. It's not yeah. our Lion King. Uh, out so of interest, kind of, what did you think, what, what did your kids think of Aladdin? Oh, they loved it. I mean, when we came out of these films this year, so this year obviously we had Dumbo and then Lion King and then Aladdin, I think it was that order. Um, and when we came out of Aladdin, we did a rating of what was the best Disney remakes or film. Um, and my son had Aladdin at the top. My daughter had Lion King at the top. I've already said I think Beauty and the Beast is the only one with real merit. I enjoyed Aladdin quite a bit. But yeah, I mean, my kids think that Aladdin and Lion King are, are just great. Has anyone out of interest seen the other Jungle Book one? I haven't seen it. The one, the more, the one recently by yes. um, Andy Serkis. Uh, yeah, but there's yeah. another one as well. There's one in the 90s with Sam Neill and John Cleese, and that was quite good. Really? Not seen that? Yeah, mid-90s. What's it called? It's called Jungle Book. It's called The Jungle Book, yes. yeah. Never heard of that. What, Phil, what did you think of the other one? Um, it's okay, actually. It's it's quite interesting. Again, it's got its issues, and I wouldn't sort of like, I wouldn't say must-watch film, but it's... Uh, but the kid's better. Yeah, the kid's better. It's... It's a bit darker. It's yeah. a bit more kind of like the the threat feels a bit more real, but it does have its issues as well. Um, it's worth a watch, though. I definitely think it's worth a watch. I think I've got a review of it on my website as well. Good plug. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we will include that link in the show notes. Yep. So, Phil, hit or miss, miss. A miss, miss. Yeah. Graham, you're a miss. I'm going to miss like you, hoo hoo. <laughs> Deck. Uh, hit. Hit. And I have the casting vote. Dun, dun, dun. It's not the original, it's a miss. <laughs> so, Virgo, so, you are not. So, um. <laughs> so, there you go. That was a miss. That I'm glad of that. Have we all had a second go? No, I haven't. Oh, God. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, Jeff. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. my I, God. I, because you're allowed to be in charge, I've been relegated to second you. tier. Yeah. So go on. Um, okay, so my so second film. Jeff, second film. Under the Skin is a 2013 science fiction film directed by Jonathan Glazer, based on a novel of the same name by Michael Faber. Now, the difference is the novel had a plot. In the film, Scarlett Johansson drives around Glasgow picking up men and God knows what she does with them after that, really. We never know. Um, They sort of disappear. She goes out, picks some more up, and it's revealed in the end she's an alien. I mean, there was a point in this film, and I watched it with Graham, actually. It was terrible. And 
<laughs> I went to the toilet part of the way through thinking, hopefully I can stay in there. <laughs> but I came back in and I said to Graham, don't tell me what happened. Nothing would have happened. I'll just watch it from here. So in the book, there's actually a decent plot about aliens coming to Earth and, and using humans as cattle, essentially. There is nothing resembling this in the film. It is just so random. The statement being, under the skin, we are all meat. And you wouldn't know that from watching this film. It's shocking. Johansson, who also starred in Girl with the Pearl Earring and Lost in Translation, really, she needs to change her agent. And it's no wonder they killed her at a Marvel because she's that bad. <laughs> um, it's just <laughs> awful. She's got a, a, a slightly big film coming up. <laughs> it's a Marvel film. Black yeah. Widow, yeah, yeah, but they brought Florence Pugh into it. So, yeah, you know, so it'll be, it'll it's, be it's good. Gonna be good. It's going to be good. It. It's a we, safety we like pew. Yeah, a safety pew. Um, the BFI Film Council handed out money to make this film. And quite frankly, the people who did that should be deported. Have this... you been drinking? What's going on? He has been drinking. It's <laughs> quite a lot. This is shocking. Absolutely shocking. Uh, of all the films we've discussed tonight, this is by far the worst. No, um, no, no, no. I must disagree, Jeff. It's worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were with me. I. This is a student film from a kid with no talent. That's what it felt like to me. I can't and argue somehow with they got Scarlett Johansson involved. It was awful. <gasps> yeah, she tries, but really she needs to change her agent if this is the sort of thing she's going to make. She needs direction, and there was none in this. It was just yeah. terrible. Play Japanese characters like in that other film she did. That's fine, but this is nonsense. Deck, have you seen it? I absolutely loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been sat here just trying to bite my tongue. <laughs> um, wanting to hit Jeff over the head with the empty wine bottle, practically. Um, absolutely loved this film, loved everything about so, it. So, hang on. So, which drugs did you take beforehand to, to get this effect? Because this sounds. I great. don't know. I, I, I thought Mika Levy's music was fantastic, and I thought what I loved about it was. Right at the start, there was there's no dialogue, and the music is almost explaining the film for you. It's explaining what's going on. It's it's. I just thought it was brilliant. I just I I yeah. I just thought it was fantastic. I absolutely loved it. M- Mika Levy's music score is just two three notes repeated endlessly like a brick into your head. I I love it the same as same as I love the Joker music that's just one. Which is Best great. Music. No, that's but, great. That's really good. I, I treat them in a similar vein. I think they add so much more to the film, and I think they add to this film. I thought it, I thought Scarlett Johansson was brilliant. I thought she played it really well. I, I just loved it. I loved the, the visual effects, the way that she took the men back and devoured them or whatever you want to say. Um, I just thought it was it was brilliant, and I thought the way that she she became more human, how she became, yeah, I just thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. I loved it. One of my favourite films. So, oh God, sorry. <laughs> you, got, you got any more to say, Graham? No, I no, thought it was terrible. No. Um, <laughs> I just could not believe what I was watching. I, I mean, Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. You know, I think she's a fine actress. I do think she's a fine actress. But okay. let's go to Phil. Um, 
I thought it was quite good as well. <laughs> well, done, well played. Well played. Um, yeah, I also was listening, thinking, oh, okay, I can kind of see how it could be like sort of a Marmite film, but I don't recall it being that bad. I certainly, I mean, I thought the imagery was quite stunning and um, the whole sort of idea of how she was kind of like an unfeeling alien and initially was preying on humans but the more time that she spent with humans she started to almost develop like human emotion I thought that was a really interesting kind of subject matter and it also features one of the most horrific scenes in terms of being able to sit and watch it without squirming where a little baby is just left on the oh the beach scene the beach scene that what no yeah actually that was really really the best thing in the film but i couldn't yeah and but whilst you were slating it i thought i'm pretty confident that this is a film that's um received a lot of accolades so Mm. I, i looked it up while she was there and, and I've got here it was named the best film of 2014 by 20 critics and publications did you say it was out in 2014? 2013 right? but yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. In, so in 2014 it was named the best film of the year by 20 different critics and publications in 2015 The Guardian named it one of the top films of the decade it was one of those critics Christine Lowry I <laughs> <laughs> It's also featured in the BBC's 100 Greatest Films of the 21st Century and The Guardian's Greatest Films of the 21st Century. All I can say is, Phil, I sat with a science fiction expert who's also in this room and he hated it as much as I did. I wanted I wanted much more depth out of them. You wanted a plot. Uh, yeah, a plot would have helped in a bit of direction. You both picked the parts of the film that I actually did like. I liked the, the way she got the people, she sort of hypnotised them and pulled them into her world. I thought that devouring scene was great, and I thought the scene on the seashore was chilling and very, very interesting from an alien perspective. And then the bit where her landlord tried to have sex with her, I thought that was funny and different. But yeah, it, was, um, it didn't work for me at all on any level. I'm I'm surprised by that. I wasn't surprised when Jeff was going on, but I'm quite surprised, no, Graham, that you didn't. didn't. Work, work I'm, su- I'm surprised Graham watched it. Um, do you want an interesting bit of trivia? <laughs> Go on, then. Go on. Uh, apparently, when she's driving in the van, picking up the men... Oh, not all of them knew it was in the Yeah, none of, they're yeah. not actors. They, yeah. they didn't know. She some was were. actually... Some, some were, were, but yeah. yeah. But well, some were just get, random men yeah. she yeah, picked yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they told them yeah, afterwards. Yeah, I'd, I'd get... I'd def- Get in the car, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah get You're in a married the, man, Phil. Get in this car, all right. I'd get in the car to tell her, get a new agent. <laughs> <laughs> so let's vote. Jess. Graham. Miss. Deck. Hit. Phil. Hit. So, tool. Because I haven't seen it. Uh, <laughs> are you going to watch it now after this? No, of course I am. Not. Why not? Why, why, why so wouldn't you much watch that? to watch. Yeah, there's too much to watch. It's it's not horror. Trust me. And moving on, my last one, and I f- promise the last one we're doing, Pacific Rim. What? I hated it. Just being contentious. The more and more I think of it. So let's let's start from the beginning again. These one of these ones where you think, if you think about it, it's 
Rubbish. I know it's Guillermo del Toro. I was just about to say, it's Guillermo del Toro. I know, so and I, it's You're feels, treading on feel, holy ground here. Come feels, on, be careful. Feels like I'm doing something dirty. <laughs> uh, he wanted to have a go at Shape of Water. I, I read a critic's review, and, he's, and they said that Guillermo del Toro, promising director, etc., has gone from art house to outhouse. <laughs> That's a good line. Who said that? I can't remember. It's uh, one of the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. Good special effects, Behemoth. It's a, it's a toy franchise. It's uh, and, and it's got the epic line, not epic line, crap line, today we are cancelling the apocalypse. By Idris. <laughs> Idris says it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Shakespeare spinning in his grave. It starts off somehow, <laughs> there's three cities lost. And tens of thousands dead. Is that all? One of them is the Golden Gate Bridge, so that's probably San Francisco and Oakland. So that's probably what? one and a half million. There's only tens of thousands dead, and they've destroyed three cities. The premise, I suppose, is good. Monsters versus robots. We haven't seen that before. <laughs> uh, portable backstories. So many people I don't care about. Lumbering set pieces. The plot from Independence Day. Um, and a lot of the music from Independence Day, I believe. Oh, nonsense. Um, no, it that's borrows nonsense. from so many films. There's, it's, it's Guillermo del Toro, but there's no imagination or flair to it. The monsters are bland, the comedy's lame, the mind-meld harmony have to be really close. They have to be almost compatible to the extent that they're family members or just complete strangers. They'll do. It's all right, as long as they look good on camera. Um, and why don't they just use the plasma cannons on everywhere, on land, in aeroplanes? They just could use them everywhere, and because they, they're the ones that kill the the no. kaiju. So it's plot holes all over. I thought it was a terrible film. Jeff. <laughs> the first thing I would say to you, Neil, is go back, watch it again, but listen to Guillermo del Toro's commentary track. And it's a fascinating commentary track, and he talks about colours and shades and everything he added into that film. So that's the first thing I would say. Well, that's that terrific, you, but I'm watching that would give the you, film. That's fine, but that will give you an enhancement to enjoy it hopefully more. There's a real heart in this film. I'm just shocked at what your comments on the music. <laughs> you know, you compared David Arnold's score to Independence Day to, to Raman Jishwaldi's score for this. That There's lots so of bits in different. it where they build up no. and everything. It is no, very no, no, Independence no. Day. No, it's not. It's not Independence Day. This is something that is just a fantastic, almost a Ray Harryhausen film for this generation. <laughs> it's <laughs> Ray Harryhausen. It is a Ray for Harryhausen this, for, this, for this generation. We got Shakespeare spinning in his grave. Now we got Ray, Ray Harryhausen. Harryhausen would be spilling in his grave <laughs> over over this. <laughs> It, it's just a great imagination. great actors, uh, Charlie Hunnam, Idris Elba. They, they are just tremendous. The whole thing, you know, they go through with it. Guillermo del Toro brings this air of believability to it. It's just, you know, yes, it's complete fantasy, but it's fantasy wrought large, and I just think it's tremendous. A 10-year-old watching this, Phil, uh, how old's your lad? Uh, nine. Nine. I reckon he would call this. The greatest film ever made. <laughs> That's how much I think this film is. It's it's great. So let's uh, let's go to Phil. Um, I hate this film. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, um, Phil. I, 
I really, really, really love Guillermo del Toro films, yeah. apart from these two. I mean, I even like Mimic. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa. When you say these two, you mean Pacific Uprising. Rim Uprising, which isn't del Toro. Is it not? No, it's Is not. He just, he just produced on that he, one. Yeah, he did oh, not direct okay. it, so that's... Uh, okay. it's, all right, okay, so so I just hate this Guillermo del Toro film. Although, uh, you know, I mean, I was about to say, he obviously like, has a production hand in the second one, and, and I guess to some extent the Hobbit films as well, which I kind of dislike, but less so. But yeah, I mean, what you just said actually about my son would love it, that's actually an interesting point. Um, and maybe he would have seen it if I actually liked it to any level. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, because, son, I, I can't recommend uh, this to you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because, I mean, you're, you're well aware that I'm, I'm not shy in making my son watch films with me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get everything you said, Jeff. I completely understand it, and I, and I agree that that's what he was trying to do. just don't think that actually happens. Not the film I watched, anyway. I've got this vision now of <laughs> Phil saying to his son, "Listen, son, all the DVDs, the light <laughs> touches, you can watch, but do not go into the dark place yes. over there. That's where Pacific Rim is located." Yeah. yeah. Would you take that challenge though to show him this film and see what he says? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, do you know, what? if if this is uh, if someone check if it's available on a streaming service because. I think it would actually be, as long as I get it past my wife, my wife doesn't decide it's too violent. Um, then, then actually it's something that It's think, robots yeah, hitting be. monsters, Phil. As long as you're not sitting next to him going... <laughs> yeah, all the way through it. <laughs> I would really, really like to know what he thinks of watching this film because I think at yeah. his age that this will be the greatest thing ever made. <laughs> okay. well, what I will do is, whilst the rest of you talk, I'm going to have a look on Just Watch and see if it's available on the streaming service. <laughs> uh, De- I really enjoyed this film. <laughs> oh, no, I um, can't believe you're agreeing No, with I'm not Jeff. agreeing with Jeff. I didn't, I didn't read as much into it. I didn't read all this depth <laughs> into it. I just loved monsters and robots fighting um and and you mentioned independence day and it would fall into the same category for me i enjoyed independence day for the same reasons don't think about it don't you know because there's so many plot holes don't think about it just enjoy it just go with it seeing things blown up seeing things fighting and i did i i remember seeing the trailer for this and i kept thinking do i want to see this i'm not sure i want to see this i'm not sure it's going to be any good I really enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I haven't watched the sequel, so I can't comment on that, but I, I, I did enjoy it. Sorry, you lost me when you said you enjoyed Independence Day. I enjoyed <laughs> Independence Day. <laughs> of course you did. Graham. I enjoyed it in parts. I liked the robots fighting, but I thought the people were rather dull. Yeah. I mean, I liked Idris. I thought he was good. Charlie Hunnam was good. But, yeah, I thought it was... Poor science fiction, but when the robots started beating the crap out of the kaiju, I thought, yeah, that's great fun. Yeah, take your brain out, sit it beside you, and just watch it. But, uh, yeah, I'm a bit ambivalent. Definitely the robots were great, but the people were just very one-dimensional. Hey, can, can I? So just... the robots were more interesting than the people? The robots had more personality than the people. <laughs> well, that's where, yeah. Hey, let's go to vote. I'm a miss... Jeff? No, oh, definite hit. hit. Phil? It's a miss for me. Deck? Hit. Hit. 
Oh. And I imagine Ridley will be calling it a hit when Phil allows him to see it. Well, I've just <laughs> checked, and it's only on Sky Cinema, so I actually don't have that, which is I go to the cinema too often to have Sky Cinema. <laughs> well, I, um, yeah. I I check the TV schedules every day to put a film out of what's on, and the next time I see Pacific Rims on there, I will let you know. Okay, cool. So I think I lost that one, and I think I might be the only one that lost it. She no, nobody cares. We're not counting. Can I say, Neil, that was a really interesting and great discussion. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's very kind. Um, yeah. Um, and, and, I'm waiting and, for the other shoe to drop. Hang on. And, there is one. <laughs> and, on, the, and on that note, if, if our listeners do have any others that they'd like to put forward, uh, please answer in the comments. Especially if they're by really good directors, they make a complete misstep. That's the problem I have. Yeah. If you disagree with any of our our uh, comments, please um, refer to Jeff. So that's eight overrated films. We think. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers. make sure you never miss an episode of this podcast please subscribe to at the flicks at our website at the and if possible please remember to rate and review at the flicks wherever you get your podcasts you can contact the team on twitter or by email our contact details are also on our website at the thanks for listening <laughs> <laughs>